Hey guys, it's Don. Happy Pride. Hey guys, I'm Ananya. Happy Pride. Hey guys, I'm Hanani and Happy Pride Month. And welcome to the Almost Worthwhile podcast. So this is the last podcast for this month. And keeping in mind how special this month is, Pepsi and VFS have decided to collaborate and present to you Pride in Cinema. Queer stories and queer representation is still highly stigmatized in India. With Section 377 being removed only relatively recently, I think it's safe to say that much of it still remains a taboo. This reflects mainly in Indian entertainment industry, namely Bollywood, with how they've handled LGBTQ representation in their movies. I feel like over the years, um, when it comes to Bollywood at least, it moved from complete ignorance to then only portraying the stereotypes and using them as jokes. Yeah, I definitely agree. Definitely through the 90s and the 2000s, uh, the characters were definitely only brought up as the ends of the jokes, uh, only to be mocked. Yeah, I think we saw this in uh, movies like Dostana as well, where their main um, idea of queer representation was in a very comedic tone without any actually meaty or um pivotal scenes or roles being given to them. However, I think it's also safe to say that we've progressed since and we are seeing more and more movies being released um, with uh, queer representation taking more pivotal um, roles. I feel like um, on OTTs now we have like shows such as, I mean, movies such as Margarita with a Straw and Ek Ladki Ko Deka Ta Aisa Laga, where they actually give them real characters. And also there's also some sort of representation of the trans community in uh, shows such as Super Deluxe or Power Kadegal, where they did try and represent the community, albeit that they did uh, represent the community using cis actors, but still there was some sort of dialogue or conversation that was at least started by this. Another thing we kind of have to keep in mind when talking about these uh, movies as of late was that most of these were produced and screened exclusively on OTT platforms. And they kind of overindulge themselves into queer baiting where they use even the subtlest references to queer culture as a means to which they can uh, give themselves the right to uh, market the movie entirely to queer audiences while never having to take a strong stance on queer issues themselves in giving themselves the plausible deniability. Yeah, I've seen this OTT platforms as well, where essentially you'd place a filter for, say, LGBTQ um, movies or representation in movies, and you'd see movies being recommended to you that have a very, very fragile, have very, very fragile representation, um, maybe like one line um, or one gay couple in the background somewhere, and yet it's still recommended to you because of this overindulgement in the market and, you know, um, this fake marketing that's being used, essentially queer baiting by OTT platforms. Mm-hmm. I feel like in recent times, some shows have also been almost caught queer baiting. For example, shows like Killing Eve, where they did try and like uh, portray the characters to be queer, but did not actually show a queer relationship. And when they were caught, Uh, queer baiting they just resorted to adding in a queer relationship yeah i think for killing eve for the first couple of seasons they had both the main characters dance around each other and flirt with each other and you know potentially portray a queer relationship but never really got to it and i think audiences were quite perceptive of that and took heed of that and notified showrunners um calling them out on it and saying this is 
queer baiting, you know, you can't have them do all of that and then say that they're not in a relationship, you know, and that they're just fighting one another, that they're not actually in a relationship. Um, and I think showrunners took heed of that and um, wrote in a queer relationship for these characters. Um, but we have seen shows where, uh, despite the despite audiences um, accusing showrunners of uh, queer baiting, they have remained their stances that the, that this show is not uh, portraying a queer relationship, such as Sherlock um, between Sherlock and Watson. Yeah, I think especially in Sherlock, where uh, it becomes it teeters on the edge of problematic behavior when uh, the queerness uh, that's kind of being portrayed was simply dismissed off as uh, Sherlock's mischievousness and it plays into the stereotypes of uh, queerness being simply some sort of deviance and uh, the other negative stereotypes that come with that. Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, nowadays we also do have though a lot of stories and uh, movies where they use the queerness of a character as a subplot and do not fully focus on it. For example, you can even see a show like Modern Family where they had a gay character, but they did not revolve the entire show about the gay character. They were a part of it. They had meaty roles. And this was even before um, LGBTQ marriages were legalized in the US. So even at that time, it did stand out, but they did not make the entire show about the fact that they represented the community. Yeah, and like uh, Imitation Game, for example, was uh, a great example of this where Alan Turing, a gay man, played the central role in the film and uh, being someone who as important as him played uh, such a pivotal role in uh, World War II against the Axis powers. And uh, the movie did a really good job of humanizing his character and uh, showing the importance that queer characters play in our society outside of their queerness. And uh, eventually the movie ends on the note of how his uh, sexual repression by uh, British society at the time eventually led to his uh, firing from his job and his suicide, which uh, really gave a good look into the plight of uh, gay men, especially for the general audiences who might not have been privy to what it's like. Yeah, I think Imitation Game definitely did a very good job of explaining, of exploring Alan Turing's sexuality without taking away from the main plot. And I think one thing that the Imitation Game also did a very good job of was they made sure that Alan Turing's character was not emasculated due to his queerness, which we often see in um, mainstream portrayal of uh, queer uh, relationships and characters, where we see um, gay uh, men being emasculated and made into to, uh, uh, and adopting feminine traits just because they're queer, um, despite uh, neither being ex uh, 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 inclusive of one another. Um, so it was nice to see an imitation game where we still had Alan Turing maintain his enigmatic, smart, masculine traits. Um, however, his queerness and his sexual orientation was set aside. Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, with that being said, we also do have a fair amount of movies and shows now where they do um, fully represent the community. The entire plot is about um, the community. For example, uh, shows like Moonlight, where it's a coming of age show for the people of the community so that they feel equally represented and can relate to something. Yeah, uh, Moonlight and Brokeback Mountain were like great examples of like positive representation of 
gay men, but uh, without having to represent them in an effeminate manner, Moonlight did it with their uh, soft masculinity, uh, being very tactful as to what it's like to grow up in a homophobic society, while Brokeback Mountain kind of approaches homosexuality with the with the machismo that uh, at the time was common to a lot of action movies, but Brokeback Mountain did it really well. Where, uh, we get to see the lives of uh, queer characters in these rural areas where we usually wouldn't imagine them being. Um, I feel like now we must also acknowledge the fact that though there are stories and movies about the LGBTQ community, there seems to be a sort of almost a lack of trans representation in cinema. And even where they are represented, they're usually not represented by members of the community themselves. Yeah, no, we are seeing a lot of cisgendered actors um, playing trans characters, which does lead to a lot of misrepresentation and just overall disrespect of the community. Yeah, I think the villainization of trans characters has been like kind of huge, where especially, uh, for example, Silence of the Lamb, where Buffalo Bill was played as a psychotic deviant, where he kind of painted the picture of uh, trans people into the public consciousness for a significant time, which led to uh, severe negative reactions from the public to the trans community. Yeah, and I think this bled out into more recent um, representation as well, where we have shows like Euphoria, where we do really do see a positive representation of trans characters because the character was played by a trans actress, um, which was quite um, progressive. And, you know, the role was also given a lot of uh, pivotal um, meaning and it was a meaty role. Um, however, we did see both the um, actress and the role come under a lot of scrutiny by the public audience for decisions taken by both the actress and the character that otherwise would not come under scrutiny if they were not trans. Um, and I think just this overall stigmatization by um, the general public when it comes to villainization of trans characters definitely bled out into this. But I also do think there is some sort of positive representation currently with like shows like Heartstopper. Yeah, I think Heartstopper had um, very positive representation where we did see, um, first off, we saw a trans character being played by a trans actress. And we did see um, a lot of uh, themes and um, issues being explored, especially with that age, um, which uh, high school age, um, where you do have a lot of teenagers exploring their sexuality and their gender. And we saw a really good uh, a positive um, representation of that, where we did see um, the uh, where we did see her issue with moving from a boys' school to a girls' school and her transition. Um, and we also saw very positive queer representation as a whole, um, as we saw um, uh, our two lead characters play a gay couple in a boys' high school and the issues that were faced by them. Yeah, and like, uh, even though we do have a representation of late, something I think we can think about was uh, a while back where representation was lacking, how the queer community came to give their own interpretations of uh, movies and media in general. And like a great example is Top Gun, where, you know, famously Tarantino and Sleep With Me gives his own interpretation where, uh, you know, the movie is centrally about one man's struggle with his own homosexuality, 
where you know Iceman and the rest of the crew represent the homosexual person, while Kelly is uh, the metaphor for the heteronormative position, and you know they're kind of fighting for Maverick's attention, where you know you know uh, Kelly's like you know be normal, be straight, go the normal way, while you know Mav uh, Iceman and the rest of the fighters kind of bring him like no, you can live your life how you want it. You can, you know, go the gay way. And that's, I think, something that queer communities uh, have done in the past where you know, when representation comes lacking, you kind of uh, give your own identity to these films. Yeah, I think I've seen that in Fight Club as well, where there's definitely a queer interpretation of Fight Club, um, which is a movie known essentially for its hyper-masculinity. Um, however, we one way to interpret Fight Club is that... Um, we see these men ex uh, express their masculinity through violence. Um, and we, in the film, they talk about this being a very liberating activity and a way for these men to reclaim their masculinity. However, looking at the queer interpretation of it, we do see Fight Club as kind of an analogy for homosexual sex, um, where them fighting in the film is essentially them being physically intimate um, because we're seeing topless male fighters essentially wrestle one another. And infamously, we, it is understood in Fight Club that the first rule of Fight Club is that you do not talk about Fight Club. Um, and I think this there's also a queer interpretation of this where it reflects in the day-to-day -day lives of gay men who cannot openly talk about um, their sexual orientation due to subject of persecution. I feel like um, now moving on to like uh, how the media has represented the members in, uh, from the industry who are members of the LGBTQ community, I think that there has definitely been a shift in perspective and a different way that the media has started uh, recepting and also portraying them. I feel like now the celebrities have a more safer environment to come out. They no longer feel like they shouldn't come out because they would be alienated by the community. They feel like they could come out and they would still not be alienated by the community. Yeah, for sure. We're also seeing celebrities and members of the in the entertainment industry um, being a lot more supportive of LGBTQ of the LGBTQ community as a whole. Even if they're not coming out, they are taking a stance um, and kind of placing themselves on the role of activism, um, and they are being. And they are stating themselves as allies of the community, which I definitely think is a very progressive step uh, over the coming years. However, yeah. I think it's also uh, kind of important to note the misuse that's occurring with media and paparazzi. Um, and especially during Pride Month, we saw that an example would be with Rebel Wilson um, this month, where I believe um, the media attempted to out her as um, bisexual. However, Rebel Wilson did get to it before them um, coming out herself. However, it was well known that the media attempted to do it before without her consent. Um, and I think that's a very, very big issue, um, especially considering how progressive we've been on other sense on in other um, sides for them to suddenly regress into doing this. I think that's a really big issue. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think uh, this all stems from our you know, kind of worship of celebrities and celebrity culture in general, where uh, the public kind of feels entitled to the personal lives of these actors. While uh, I don't think this should be the case, where we should be letting uh, members of these uh, 
marginalized communities to uh, come to terms with their sexuality and gender, gender identities on their own time. And we should definitely be giving them space to do so. That is, uh, if they want to at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that really kind of talks about just how it's about the balance, right? So how much um, are we as a general public privy to a celebrity's personal life and their day to day activities? Because it is well understood that celebrities um, thrive on the attention of their fans. I mean, it's what's keeping them in their in their jobs. Um, however, to to what extent? Um, are How much are we privy to their personal lives? How much are we privy to their privacy and their sexual orientation and who they're dating and their stance on gender? I, I think it's very important that a, a balance is established on that. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that we do respect their choices and their decisions if they want to talk about uh, what they want to talk about and if they want to talk about it at all. I think um, we can conclude this by saying that uh, the industry and us as a general population and civilization have come a long way from complete ignorance of the community to now representing the community in a better way. For sure. I think we're definitely moving in a very positive direction, um, especially uh, compared to um, how it's been the recent uh, decades in uh, in film. I think we've de- we're definitely moving in a very progressive way. And I hope we stay that way and do not regress because so far there has been a good increase in trans and queer representation and in the representation of the communities and just overall sensitization both in film and in media. Yeah, um, I hope that's especially true for uh, Indian society and Indian film where uh, up to like a few years ago, we had a very, you know, don't ask, don't tell kind of mentality when it comes to queer issues. So I'm definitely happy to see, you know, new representation of these stories. And I'm hopeful that we do get better. This has been Dawn. Ananya. And Harini. For the Almost Worthwhile podcast, where we talked about pride in cinema. This week was a collaboration between Tepsi and VFS. And we hope you guys enjoyed listening and we wish you a happy practice.